Welcome to the PPM Academy podcast for project, program, and portfolio managers, where we will interview industry experts and discuss current and future trends in the world of project, program, and portfolio management, and how what we do impacts our company's execution culture. I'm Gerald Leonard. Today, I have with us Dr. Mark Bojan. Dr. Bojan holds a Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration from Strayer University and an MBA from George Mason University and has a PhD in Organizational Management. He is one of a small number of people in the world who holds the certification as a Program Management Professional, PGMP, a Project Management Professional, PMP, and a Risk Management Professional, PMI-RMP from the Project Management Institute. In addition, he holds a Microsoft Certified Solutions Developer in .NET and an IDLE certification. He is also responsible for teams of over 100 individuals and has managed contracts in excess of $50 million. He has also taught hundreds of students in program, project, and risk management as both a professional instructor and an adjunct professor at George Mason University, Strayer University, Mississippi University for Women, and Ashford University. Finally, he's the author of the book, Program Management Leadership, Creating Successful Team Dynamics. Mark, thanks so much for talking with us today. Thank you, Gerald. Well, listen, Mark, why don't we get into this? Why don't you tell me your story and how did you get started and and really what was your impetus of getting involved in project program and portfolio management? Sure. Um, So, yeah, I was. I started off as a technology uh, uh, individual back in the '90s, and, okay. and technology at that time was pretty much everything we di- we did. We had to do by the seat of our pants. There wasn't right. a lot of books or research or anything else. So I was working as a programmer um, and was running larger and larger teams. And our our, stratus, uh, our strategy for for this was primarily to take the worst developer we had, make them the manager. That way, they could do the least amount of harm. <laughs> <laughs> so at one point I found myself as the manager, which I think says something about my coding techniques. But right. um, I was managing this this team, and we had uh, we had grown over over a, a couple of years, and we suddenly started to hit about forty people. We had a couple of different project managers, and what we what we weren't getting was consistent project success. Okay. I personally was having a lot of success, but we weren't getting it consistently. And and one project manager had issues that would crop up midstream. Um, and, and never could get ahead of those issues. Another project manager would have uh, cost overruns or schedule overruns. Anyway, so I, I, I was reading into the P, uh, PMBOK, um, and that was really my first introduction to it. Okay. Um, and really got excited because while it doesn't really say anything unique, what it does do is it does a fantastic job of encapsulating what we know to be successful practices in program and project management. Exactly. Um, so interestingly enough, I, I, I wasn't intending on even getting the certification back in uh, 2000. It really had not hit its stride where it is now. But I did set up a, to go in, take a test and uh, uh, went into intending on uh, failing the test because I just wanted to kind of measure my own knowledge. But right. suddenly, uh, surprisingly enough, passed the test. And that kind of started thing. off my whole focus in leadership. Okay. Um, so... Um, for the, the next 10 years, um, I, I managed a number of projects, number of portfolios, number of programs. I set up a couple of different PMOs. We implemented different practices um, across the board. I, I tried personally to bridge the gap between the IT and the business side of the fence and really to 
um, to, to start to be able to communicate with both sides. Right. From the IT field, we always used to say, you know, don't tell us what you what you want. We'll give you what you need. Right. And right. unfortunately, we weren't always as good as we thought we were. Um, but the one area that that really has piqued my interest is um, in creating high performing teams and in building okay. teams into a cohesive whole where they, they, they truly are greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and, you know, that kind of started my journey towards uh, leadership as, as a focus. And, and right now I would say that I probably am an expert uh, student in leadership. And that's all I can say is that I, I study it quite extensively. doesn't mean that I have the answer. It's just that I study it. Right. Well, you know, I mean, when you think about what an expert really is, an expert is someone who realizes that you're, you're on a journey. I know for myself, as I'm striving to be an expert in portfolio management, it I, I look at it from the standpoint as, you know, this is a journey, and I learn just as much from these interviews and doing the podcasting and my website as I do from, you know, being seen as an expert. I get more from just learning, and, and really, when you take that mindset, you really are the expert because you've kind of realized how much you don't know, and as you know, the more you realize that you know is the more you realize that you really don't know. Exactly. Exactly. I completely agree. Um, you know, I, uh, for the last 10 years, I work for a living. I teach for fun. Uh, okay. I, don't think I, I don't think I could teach full time, but um, I do teach for fun. And in all honesty, I learn more from the students um, than I think they learn from me. Right. Right. I totally agree. I totally agree with that. So with that being said, what do you think is so poorly understood or unresolved in this area of program management leadership? Well, you know, it's it's interesting to, to see it today. Um, about three years ago, when I came out with the first book on uh, program management leadership, we really uh, didn't have any kind of focus in the PMBOK or any of the manuals, the standards about leadership. We talked about project management. We talked about the scientific side there was they paid a little bit of um, uh, umbrage to uh, um, it being an art and a science, but you really didn't get into anything. I think in uh, in uh, 2013 I counted. I think there was maybe 15 references to leadership in the entire PMBOK. Wow. Um, I've always believed that project management is it's a science and an art form. The leader is really the, the individual who's going to take that team, is going to take that and manipulate the team from being just a group of individuals to a cohesive whole capable of, of producing much more. Um, and that leadership aspect, um, especially coming from where I do in, in IT, it, it's always, it's always a, a, a quandary because you know, your team building that HR gives you or sitting down and doing uh, you know, different team building exercises usually get dismissed by IT departments. So they're, they're um, much more focused into uh, uh, their kind of complexities. Yes. Um, and so you lose a lot of the, the focus. So the question becomes, how do you motivate them? How do you drive them? How do you empower these folks? How do you get them to actually tell you what you don't want to know? Right. And when it comes to something like risk management, that's the question we're asking as project managers. Tell me what I don't know and what I don't really want to know, but have to to be successful. Gotcha. And so, you know, it, it's uh, in 2015 now, PMI has finally come out. I'm really excited about this. It's finally come out with what they call the talent triangle. Hmm. Okay. The talent triangle is an isosceles triangle that identifies three major skills that a project manager needs to have. One is the science of project management. Okay. One is strategic and general management yes. skills. That's crucial. Right. And the third is leadership. Right. And, and as a matter of fact, they've just modified the PDUs now 
to include leadership uh, training, le leadership education as a part of your project management certification. Yeah, they've they've made a lot of changes in how and the certification process and the recertification process and and the the categories you have to get your PDUs. And I think it's the right thing to do because. You know, a, a number of PMPs or project managers would go after just one area, like attending chapter mm -hmm. meetings and so on, but they don't become well-rounded. Right, right. And as you know, exactly. to, to really lead the project, you do have to understand that technical aspect, but you have to understand that leadership aspect. Absolutely. Now, one Beautiful of the things fact. that you have in your book on, on in Chapter 6, um, and it says, program managers have a tremendous impact on the culture. And that hence why I'm really interested in this, in, in this part of your book. The work environment, the project management style, and overall team member satisfaction and success achieving the program objective. Can you elaborate on that introduction to introduction to leadership in, in Chapter 6 of your book? Absolutely. Although I, I will say you're the first person to quote my book back to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we put together a team, we go through the, uh, we go through what's pretty much uh, agreed upon as the five stages of team development. We've got your forming, norming, storming, performing, um, and then adjourning. Right. Um, that's been pretty standard, and it's been out there for a number of years. Folks buy into it pretty much. A project manager has this unique opportunity when a team is brought together to set a culture for that team, to set a culture of acceptable behavior, standards, uh, interactions. Um, uh, and communication patterns that will be going with that team. So while you have team members who come in from the organization, they carry with them prejudices, opinions, um, experiences, um, hostility at times, or, or even positives. Right. Um, but they carry this baggage with them into the team. Yet when they join that team, there is this moment of time when a project manager, if they choose to embrace it, can define the culture for their project. And let's be clear. To be successful, we have to be creative, we have to be innovative, we have to have open communication, and we need to, in, we need to empower folks for conflict, but it has to stay on the positive side. Yes. So for all of these things, we have, to, we have to make this into a safe environment, a protected environment, where people can interact without fear of reprisal or fear of uh, someone uh, making fun of them or whatever. Um, you know, the first time you'd say to somebody, that's a stupid idea is the first time they is the last time they speak on a project. Right. And so we have to, you know, as a project manager, as a program manager, you're going in, you're putting this team together. You've got this one opportunity to build that team's culture into something unique. Um, I've seen this work a, a, a couple of times and I, I've got to tell you, I've got one team that I worked with uh, in 98 through about 2003. I still talk to these folks. They still tell me, um, you know, what a wonderful experience they had working for it. Now, you just don't hear that about work very often. Right. But, you know, if you looked at measuring that, and, and I'm not saying that I was the most insightful or, you know, genius. I think there was a lot of luck involved and, and maybe a little bit of common sense and falling down a few times. Okay. But over five years, we had 0% attrition. Hmm. This was a team that got up to about 60 people. Wow. Now, what's more interesting than that. So that's a big, t that's a large team. Yes. Yeah. More interesting than that is... After I left the organization, they had zero percent attricity or uh, attrition. They had zero percent attrition for the next three years because the culture the culture stayed around. And the culture stayed. It was self perpetuating. No longer needed a manager or um, a leader to to build it, to create it, to maintain it. It was self perpetuating at that point in time. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. And, and to me, that's that's when you finally are hitting on all cylinders. And I can I can assure you that group was high performing. Well, that I'm gonna group- I'm, I'm gonna quote something back to you again in chapter 13 of your book, and this kind of leads us directly into high performing teams because that's where I was going. And it's okay. it's basically where uh, I think it's Ross Perot quotes you have here. It says, "Lead and inspire people. Don't try to manage or manipulate people. Inventories can be managed, but people." must be led. I really like that. Inventories can be managed, but people must be led. Can you expound on that? And and what do you think was it about, you know, your leadership, whether you knew it all of what you were doing or stumbled upon it that allowed you to influence that group of 60 people that after you left three years later, that culture was still embedded into that organization? Yeah, um, you know, I, I like that uh, quote by Ross Perot. It, it is a fantastic one, and, and I use a lot of quotes throughout my book because leadership is such a, a difficult topic to actually nail down. Um, one of the one of the quotes that, that would kind of go with that is that a leader is someone who influences uh, team members to temporarily set aside their own personal agendas and work towards a common vision. Right. But it comes down to influence. We're, we're not going to manipulate folks. We can't. I can't order you to come in and, and give me your all. I right. can order you to come into your desk and sit there for eight hours, but I cannot order you to give of yourself. Okay? Yep. And w- when you start to build a high-performing team, people invest of themselves. They start to work towards that common vision, picking things up as they go, um, adding in what needs to be done, thinking for themselves, making their own decisions, uh, partnering and communicating with, with each other, um, you know, an effective manager at that point steps out. An effective leader is no longer needed. Now, right. it becomes, now it becomes its own kind of momentum. Right. So way too often we look at project management. Well, we've got, you know, you need to give me your tasks that you've completed. You need to tell me your risks. You need to tell me the issues, um, the tests. We have all these facts that we're collecting. If we go too too much on the fact side and we forget the human side, mm-hmm. all we're doing is squashing that team. Right. And I can't tell you how many teams I have sat on where I have heard somebody say eight hours work for eight hours of pay. Wow. When you hear that, you might as well just put your stuff together and and head on out because that team is never going to go much further. Right. Right. Because they're there just to build, just to lay the bricks and that's about it. They're not there to build a castle. Absolutely. And they're not there to invest of themselves. That's a good point. That's the funny thing because when, you know, one of the big studies that I've done over the years is, is really focused on motivation. Okay. Motivation, you know, so many people think, oh, well, I, I can't give them a salary increase, so therefore I can't motivate them. Uh-uh. That's absolutely not true. Um, very few people actually respond to a salary increase as motivation or as a bonus as motivation. Um, and after the first time it ha- happens, they start to have a, a feeling of uh, expectation around it. Right. However, motivation um, can come from all forms. Um, I had one organization, we were building a PMO. They okay. could not communicate to save their lives. So we have a, we have a, this first release we're going to do, it's a huge release and I'm walking down the hall and I hear someone in the QA side say, yeah, but I think the program's going to crash here. Mm. So I went back and I talked to this person and, and she showed me everything and I said, okay, well, let's see it. And it, it crashed. Now, that was the day before the release. So, obviously, I pulled the release. We weren't going to go with that. Right. Um, the entire uh, team looked at her as if 
she had done something wrong. They looked at her as if she had caused the issue, when in reality, she's the one who saved us right. from the disgrace of putting out a bad product. Right. We, I went to the CEO, got her a commendation, nothing more than a, a small little plaque you printed out um, and put a frame around, gave her a commendation in front of the entire organization for speaking out. Um, and we set the tone from that point forward. Right. That motivating, that, that small little tweak of motivation, just calling out the, the fact that they did this, the fact that it was successful. And yeah, in the future, I'd really like to know when I've got time to fix it, but I still need to know right before that deploys. Um, so, you know, really uh, pushing folks to elaborate, to volunteer the information. Right. I think there's a car company that has that model built in where they allow their line employees that if they see a defect in a car to pull a cord and Absolutely. so so that they don't allow those those bad cars to get out on the road. Mm -hmm. And and um, I, I, I want to say it's Ford, but um, <laughs> I, um, no, because I, I actually was uh, look, I was looking at that study not too long. Yes. Ago. Actually rewarding people based on the number of, of tangible defects that are being found. Exactly. Exactly. And I know that Ford has made a lot of changes in that. And I know Toyota does that as well. But mm -hmm. but you think about it. Those are the companies that are delivering products that that ingratiate the customer's loyalty. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. And and they have to have the loyalty. They're looking at a purchase uh, cycle of every five years. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's it's interesting. I was just teaching a class on, on, on this in risk management, and I gave the class an assignment. I said, you know, take this project and come up with 10 risks. Mm, it should take, you know, a few minutes. Um, after the end of about 45 minutes, folks were still working on it. I said, okay, you can take it home with you. They took it home. They finally finished it all. They come into the, the assignment. And I said, okay, why, why did it take so long? Well, we were trying to find the good risks. They were actually self-selecting out risks. Mm, okay. The assignment was only tell me what can go wrong. We'll right. figure out what qualitatively to do later. We'll figure out quantitatively, and we'll figure out strategies later. Right. Just identify what risks there are. There are. Right. Should have taken five, 10 minutes. And that is, that's, it's actually, I, I think it's fantastic because this team, this, this class um, understood the value of that as, as I kind of shine the light on it. Okay. Um, sometimes it's not quite so easy, but um, uh, that's, that's really where it's at. I, we need people to tell us, we need people to communicate. We need people to give of themselves. And when they do that and when they find those rewards, um, which could be just a peer a colleague, uh, just a, Hey, great job. Um, some of the smallest things can really matter. Um, we get that renewed effort. And as we get that renewed effort, we get renewed success. Gotcha. So as we begin to wrap up here, when you think about, you know, the project portfolio, uh, program and portfolio management industry overall, where do you see the trend going? What do you see some of the trends? Well, uh, you know, uh, first off, um, I definitely um, am a big fan of the new portfolio management. Not actually new anymore, uh, um, but I'm sitting for that test in um, in a couple of weeks. But I, I'm a big fan of the, the portfolio management and the program management and drawing those distinctions out where we've gotten out of you know a large project being a program. Um, moving into the leadership area is crucial. Yes. Um, and now you end up at that real challenge of as a program manager managing multiple project managers. How do I empower them? How do we maintain a consistent culture um, while also empowering them to have you know, control over their teams and do what they need to have done, uh, participate in the culture, and, exactly. and communicate back upwards? Exactly. And so to me, that's, that's really the key area is really expanding on that leadership side of that uh, triangle. 
Gotcha, gotcha. In fact, I'm sitting for that exam in the beginning of April. So uh, we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be, uh, I'll be in touch with you to see how you do. I, I have a strict rule. I don't tell anyone when I'm taking the test. When I fail it. I, no, I don't have to go and make excuses. Gotcha. <laughs> totally understand. Well, Mark, if our listeners want to become, you know, that program portfolio management expert, what's one tip would you give them uh, that they should focus on? Um, you know, the, the one thing I, I would I would ask folks to focus on the most is um, to, to observe, to see, and okay. to value the culture, the diversity, um, the standards, the, the um, beliefs and um, of the team members. Because when you when you value that, when you embrace that, that's when you can actually um, reward and you can drive and motivate folks towards success. Gotcha. Well, thanks so much for that. Well, Mark, if our listeners want to learn more about you, where should they go? Um, find me up on LinkedIn at uh, uh, Mark Bojan, uh, B-O-J-E-U-N. Also, you can go out to Volsatech.com, um, and uh, you can find me through Volsatech. Um, and let's see, the, uh, the book is out on um, Amazon right now, Amazon and uh, uh, any of the major booksellers, um, not eBay. I don't think I've seen it on eBay yet, but <laughs> <laughs> on Amazon um, and any of the other booksellers. It's also sold through the PMI library. Okay, great. Yeah, I, I bought my copy from Amazon, and okay. uh, and it's a great read. It's a lot of great information and really gets you thinking about you know the whole concept of leadership. And what I really loved about it is that you really focus on the cultural aspect and how critical that is to delivering a great program or laying out, you know, helping develop a great PMO, because that is a major component of it that sometimes gets overlooked. Absolutely. Well, listen, we've been having a conversation with Dr. Mark Bojan, and he's the author of Program Management Leadership. It's been great talking with you, Mark. And for our audience, if you're looking for more expert insights, please go to Principles of Execution and click on Podcasts.